Hello, church. Welcome to the Gallery Church Online. We are so glad that you have chosen to spend this time with us today. But as we enter into this gathering now, let's let's take a moment here at the beginning to pause together to be still, like breathe slowly. Like if you would join me, I know you're probably still getting settled in. Um, the timer to the countdown of the service may have caught you off guard. But whatever you're doing right now, whether you're standing or seated, could you just take a moment to pause? Take a deep breath, let it out just for a moment, recenter ourselves, There's all the scattered senses that are happening right now, just a deep breath. And then would you say this out loud with me, even if you're sitting somewhere in public right now watching this, a coffee house or somewhere in a park, um, just could you just let these words roll off of your lips softly and tenderly? They're taken from Ephesians 2 verses four and five. So together, deep breath. Today, I rest in the blessings of your mercy. Because of your great love for me, you who are rich in mercy, make me alive with Christ even when I was dead in transgressions. It is by grace that I have been saved. Wow, what a fantastic reminder taking a deep breath and just letting that rest on us today. It is our desire as a church that we glorify God. Um, so whether it's here online or if we have a chance in our small group life, which we call growth communities, or we just interact with you on this on our streets, we want to glorify God in every way in this coming week. We believe that Jesus is life and light, and we want um, to draw closer to him, have better understanding of him. And we also want the same for you. And we hope that you can see him in us today. If you are new to our church, may we welcome you. We are so glad that you are with us. We are so thankful that you joined us. At, in, at any time during this gathering, you need prayer. We want you to know that you can just open up the app, click on the prayer tab, and be quickly joined into prayer with us. You can also email us at prayer at gcbdowntown.com. Everyone immediately after the service is, is invited to join us in this Zoom lingering time. This is a time for you to see one another. It's a time for us to celebrate everything that we're learning. It's a time for us to ask questions. It's a chance for us to, to respond to the ever-changing challenges that are happening in our day here in our city, in our nation, and around the world. And it is also a time for us to come to the Lord's table together, the Eucharist, to take that and help in remembrance of everything that God has done for us. The link is in the description for that Zoom lingering time, no matter what platform you're watching this service, you can find the link in the description. So if you're watching at the 1030 premiere, you can um, join us 10 minutes after the benediction. If you're watching this at another point in time throughout the day, Sunday at 730 p.m., that link will also be active in a way for us to join in together as well. So before we jump in and learn more about our faith in Jesus Christ, I think it's important for us to enter into a time of focused generosity for those of us that um, believe and that are actively a part of our church. And we want to invite others of you in your faith to join in to this time of generosity. We believe that it's God's character to be generous. Therefore, we want our character um, to be known as generous. We want our lives to be a display of his. So please join me right now in this prayer of generosity. Father in heaven, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds who withstanding the delusions of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you 
Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all of the world. Amen. I would like to encourage you to take a moment now to give. You can do that through the app or you can do it online at gcbdowntown.com slash giving. Thank you. And I hope that you see Christ in us and in our words and in our teaching as we continue this online gathering. Welcome to the week five of our six-week series about the makings, ministry, and methods of the early church. We are drawing inspiration from the first century church for the decisions and directions of our church today. This week, we look at the message of the early church with a focus on how they communicated the truth of Jesus to the world around them. We're going to take our time today to thoroughly meditate on the good news message of Jesus. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Apostle Peter, Acts 2. For it is by the grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Apostle Paul Ephesians 2. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Jesus. John 5. Hey there, brothers and sisters. I am uh, looking forward to us getting into this week five, but if you are just joining us today for the first time, uh, let me catch you up real fast. We are in a series called Replant, uh, really looking at the early church and then looking at how that impacts us and how we can kind of from the ground up continue uh, to just be obedient to God's will and God's ways for us as a church in our generation. So we've covered week one, the making of the church, week two, the meetings of the church, week three, the ministry of the church, the mission of the church. And then today we're going to be talking about the message of the church. And then next week we're going to be looking at the multiplication of the church. But our focus is today, the message of the church. And so I want us to be able to settle into this because I believe that there's things that we can look at in the New Testament. Uh, we can see um, really um, like what, like questions, like what did they preach? We can look at what did they proclaim? Like, so, so yes, there were some that were pastors and apostles and teachers. And, and so, but what did the church, what did people, um, what did they preach? What did they proclaim? But there's also a, another very important aspect of this gospel, this message of the church that I think is important for us to see today as well. And it would be represented in this question, what did they embrace? Because so much of what we see in the early church is they allowed this message of Jesus. Some had actually seen Jesus because they were alive during his ministry. Others uh, were coming to hear of Jesus uh, very soon after the resurrection and the ascension, but they allowed what they heard to change their way of thinking. So much of that is in the scriptures and even in the extra verses we've added to the notes today for you to look at throughout the week. But not only did they allow it to change their way of thinking, it also allowed, it really moved them to change the way that they were living. And then they carried that message with them everywhere they went. And so we're going to try to look at all of this today. And so I want to help us understand what this gospel is. What is this message? What is this good news? And I heard it put this way by um, Bruxy um, Cavan, uh, uh, Bruxy Cavey in, in his book, The End of Religion. He actually says this, Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. Save us from sin set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. I love that. Let me say that slowly one more time. Jesus is God with us. 
come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, shut down religion so we can share in God's life. Now, if you want to tweet a Twitter version, um, just one simple little sentence of the gospel. I love what Tim Keller tweeted a few years ago. He said this, I am accepted by God through Jesus Christ, therefore I obey. Man, those are just two powerful quotes that have compacted the truth of pages and pages and pages of the New Testament from the Gospels to what the early writers were saying to that first century. So today I'm going to try to help us focus on just three simple words. Um, actually, if I'm technical, it's going to be six. I'm going to compare three sets of words or three words in two sets to one another. So, all right, are we ready? Here we go. So here they are. The, the words are faith, hope, and love. I believe that that is the experience of the early church that then changed the way they thought, changed the way they lived, and then changed the way that they talked about Jesus. And so when you look at the way they experienced Jesus, those were the three major words that they were focusing on in the ways that they tried to simplify process all of the things that were in their culture and in their day and in their past religious experience and the things that they were trying to step forward into, faith, hope, and love. And because of Jesus, the people in the early church were changed by the power of the gospel. And then they proclaimed it to other people. So they were changed and then they proclaimed it. Let me, let me slow that down. First, they were changed by it. It doesn't just say that they, they knew it, like they, they were changed by it, by it. And then through that changed life, they were pro proclaiming this faith, this hope, and this love to other people around them. So their life was part of their proclamation. Uh, I heard it said once that this early church, based upon how they were changed and then how they were proclaiming, was basically the first generation of God's show and tell. I don't know if you remember show and tell when you were in school or if you even had that. I remember in my elementary school days of being able to bring something in and then show it to the class and then tell the class about um, what that particular item meant to me. And I believe that this is like God's way of us being on display for the world around us through our lives and through our words, our show and our tell. So they were focusing on, like their mentality was focusing on changing themselves under the direction of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. They were learning about a new king in a new kingdom that was then over all or was replacing all of the kingdoms of this world. So it wasn't like a self help church service where they were learning something to be a better version of themselves. They were learning a totally new way of living in a totally new kingdom paradigm. So it wasn't, I just want to be a better human. It's a, I know I think and process in this world incorrectly. So I want to align my thinking and my life so that I can live in a new kingdom with Jesus as my King and my Lord. So the people began to, so other people started to interact with this group of people that were changing their thinking and changing their living towards a new King. And people were so attracted to that. They're like, I want to join into that. I want to be a citizen of that kingdom, not just a member of that church, but I want a citizenship that is in a different kingdom. I want to be a part of that new kingdom. And so the way that they were experiencing their faith, their hope, and their love was proclaiming in such a way that was invitational that people wanted to be in on that life. Let me share what I believe is a really good example in church history of what I'm talking about. And I want to say, I want to acknowledge that there are a lot of bad examples of the church in history, especially for us that live here in the West. I know some of you are listening online from other parts of the world, but most notably here with this white colonialism that took place in the West, I want us to understand that there were moments where the church wasn't looking like Jesus, that their faith, their hope, and their love was not what they were known for. But I do want to look at a bright moment where the church was a light 
in a dark time, much like Jesus is referred to as the morning star. The church has had moments of being like that morning star. And if you look at the year around 165 to 180 AD, it was during the Antonine Plague. I might not be pronouncing that correctly, but I know some of you in, in medicine are probably well aware of this plague and have even maybe studied it scientifically, historically. But this was a plague that hit Rome, especially its major cities, um, especially Rome itself, around 165 to 180 AD. And during the height of that plague, they were estimating two to 5,000 people were dying a day. So history kind of tells the story of this plague that nearly one third of the population of the Roman Empire during the first and the second outbreak died. And they're estimating that that was 60 to 70 million people. Now, I just want you to try to imagine, I want to compare that to the the John Hopkins medical ticker that you see that is calculating the current pandemic and how many people have tested positive and how many people have died worldwide and how many people have died in the United States. And we're approaching 500,000 deaths in the United States over this last year from this pandemic. But I just want you to try to wrap your mind around 60 to 70 million people. If that was true in our culture today, that would be like basically taking this, this, the northeastern part of our country and just drawing a line and separating it from the rest of the United States and saying all of those people that live from D.C. all the way up through Boston to Maine were gone. That is a staggering number of people. But it's during that period of time in Romans, in Rome's history that they began to see a major difference in that the Christians were making in their culture because the wealthy people in the cities, the priests in the cities, the politicians in the cities, historically telling the account, were leaving these urban environments because they were able to see that being in close proximity to other people was a death sentence if you stayed. And so these wealthy, these people that had the means and the abilities to go out into the countryside were leaving the cities, but it says that the Christians stayed in the cities. And this is uh, an excerpt from Bishop Dionysus of Corinth in the second century from a journal entry of his. I want to read this to us. It's going to be on the screen, but listen to what he said. Most of our brother Christians showed unbound love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors, cheerfully accepting their pain. Can I just, did you guys hear that? They died loving their neighbor. There wasn't a testimony that they complained. Do you hear that? Their testimony was that they joyfully received the sickness that other people had while they were trying to comfort the other people in their sickness, and they didn't complain I do and I do and I do for you, Jesus. And this is the thanks that I get. I got sick. I went out to love my neighbors the way you asked me to, but I got sick. They counted it a privilege following the pattern of Jesus to minister to those in need and dying and being willing to lay their life down. The people that were observing the disciples during that 165 to 180 time period during this pandemic or epidemic or however you want to call that 
that uh, plague that hit Rome, I want you to imagine what kind of societal confusion would have been going on in Rome if 5,000 people a day were dying and all the politicians and priests and leaders and wealthy were heading for the hills, so to speak. Imagine the confusion, the national crisis, the, the poor leadership that people were receiving from a local level to a national level. And it was during that time that people saw the church different. And the testimony of them wasn't that they didn't get sick. The testimony of them is that they did get sick and they died, but they died with the people they were ministering to with joy in Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? They lived and died differently than everybody else. So when we think about the message of the church, so much of our words and our actions are tied to the Jesus that other people see and experience. Let me mention a few things before we, before I finish this. Okay. We're wrapping up this series next week with the multiplication of the church. I'm really looking forward to how we're going to end this series next Sunday. But starting on February the 4th, we're going to be launching a new series called Peacemaker. Like I'm saying that like a question, like peacemaker, like really peacemaker, because that the series is going to be dealing with the violence in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the violent world that Jesus would have known, the violent world that the early church participated in. It's going to be looking at the evil powers, both inside and outside of the church. And I want you to catch that both inside and outside of the church you know, how do we process all of the bloodshed, all of the violence, all of what appear to be commands to go and kill? And how do we make sense of it? Questions like, was God bloodthirsty? Did Israel really want to kill everybody? Did Were they told to kill everybody? Does God want us to act violently today? Is God angry with everybody? Is God looking to kill people? How do we help people? How do we help ourselves? interpret the Bible correctly? How do we understand and make sense of the fact that we hear this message of a loving God, but on so many pages, it seems like he's an angry God. I believe this is so important because when we look at Jesus, we see Jesus laying his life down for other people, but yet we look at the television on January the 6th and we see people carrying in religious symbols and, and using the name of Jesus. And even once they overcame the Senate chamber, or I believe it was the house chamber on a megaphone, they pray a prayer of blessings in the name of Jesus on their efforts to violently storm our nation's capital. Many were holding up Bibles and other religious symbols, shouting in the name of Jesus. And I just want to say there are so there's so much confusion about what the Bible says about how we should act in this world. And I want us as a church to align ourselves with the image of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to take time from February 14th through Palm Sunday to look at this peacemaker. And I just want you guys to stay tuned. I'm really excited about what that's going to look like for our family and how we can strengthen and encourage one another in our faith. Okay, so let me talk about this faith, hope, and love. Let me, let's start with this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It's easy to remember. First Corinthians 13, 13, the apostle Paul says this, and now these things remain. Now this is, this is the love chapter. This is the one that everybody uses for weddings, whether they believe in God or not, or believe in Jesus or not, because the, the reminder of how we love, when we love, how we should receive love, all of this, the whole chapter is about the ways that we should interact with each other. And this was a message to the church, just not to husbands and wives. Um, but here we find now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This is how Paul was embracing everything that he had learned and everything he felt empowered by the Holy Spirit to teach the early church. Faith, hope, and love were supposed to be the foundation for everything that they were experiencing that was then turning into everything that they were doing and saying. And then in Romans 10, 
Chapter 10, verse 9, the Apostle Paul goes on to say this. Now, here's another very important verse. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, three other very important words, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here we go. Three words, two sets of three words, faith, hope, and love, and Jesus is Lord. So let me show you how this fits together. Our faith is in Jesus. He has the power. He has the authority. He is the one because our faith is in him and we are in him that we have all the blessings of God. That's what the letter to the church in Ephesus was is about. So if you want to just take time this week to read the book of Ephesians, you can see how because of us being in Jesus Christ, there is power. So faith is our faith is in Jesus. Our hope connects to this verb, um, which is this to be. This, this word is, is that Jesus is our leader now. Our hope is in something that is now and is to be. This gives us hope. Jesus said it would it would be good for me to go in his name. So I will do that. It says that Jesus, because of Lord, has given me his spirit, which then gives me all the power and wisdom that he had to go and be fruitful in his name. This gives me confidence. My hope gives, this is confidence in Jesus as Lord. And our love is our Lord. So faith, hope, and love Jesus is Lord. Our love is our Lord. He tells us how to live. Our love is our Lord. So our Lord is over us. Our Lord is love. So what he demands of us in obedience is to be love like him towards other people. So Jesus is the one that shows us what God is like. And then Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, shows us how we can then act like that God in this world. So let me start with faith. Faith. Faith is our posture of openness to receive God's grace. That's it. Faith is our openness and our posture to receive God's grace because it's through grace, according to verses that we read, that God does for us what every other religion in the world fails to do for us. It's through faith that we receive truth and can apply it to our lives. Every other religion gives us a list of things that we need to try to do in order to earn God's favor. But our faith is in this amazing grace of God that it is a gift to us. Everything that we could ever attempt to do is going to fall short, but everything that we need is offered to us as a gift. God is giving us something that all the religions of the world are telling us how to achieve. They are telling us how to achieve it, but Jesus, or God, through Jesus Christ, is saying, no, I'm going to give you what you need because there's nothing you can do to achieve this. You can try it all on your own. So let's go to the most famous verse in regards to evangelism, the gospel has probably ever been shared. You can see it at every major sporting event. You can see it at parades, anywhere a Christian wants to make a public statement. And those that verse is John 3.16. Let's put it on the screen for us. Let's read this together. If you want to read it out loud, you can do so. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's take a deep breath. Because of the familiarity of this verse, I don't want us to rush past it. I want to keep it up on the screen. I want us to relook at it. And I want us to then process this verse again. So again, this time, let my voice be the only voice. If you need to, to block out what's happening around you, stop moving around, stop doing the dishes, stop chasing the children for a moment, stop reading the book or multitasking. Just be still for a moment. Let my voice be a voice that can the spirit can use to communicate to us. Listen to what this says for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
And with that same stillness and that same breath, John 5, 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Jesus bypasses the whole system. You go straight from belief to life. You skip over the judgment and death. You have eternal life. You have already crossed over into your eternal life now. No fear. Death doesn't matter. Can you see now why the believers, the disciples during that plague in Rome, they didn't care. They knew that they were already into their eternal life. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for us now, not just in the future, but now, no condemnation. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are working in this life so often towards our own destruction all the time. That's the wages of our choices, the wages of our sin. We are in process of working towards our own destruction. We, Because of the choices we make, we get paid for them. We can't blame God for that. Like, we're making choices, and those choices have consequences, real-life consequences. So we get paid for that. But the idea is gift, that we get the gift of God through Jesus Christ, and therefore we can serve Jesus, and we can be close to the one that has loved us, and we can live in that eternal life now. Man, let's just meditate on that just for a moment. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Faith. Now let's talk about hope. Hope. Hope is rooted in reality. Hope isn't this idea that we're believing in something that is not real. Like I just want you guys to hear me when I say that. Hope, it admits that everything is not yet perfect but that we are moving toward it. We've talked about this in some of our past series because we see so much of the brokenness in the world. We fail to see places in which the world is getting better. So much of that we can still talk about in days to come. But through Jesus, we can start an eternal life now. We can partner with his spirit to experience and extend his will and his ways of peace in the world. So our hope is rooted in the reality that there is a way for us to live in honor of God's will in ways that is peaceful, that is good for everybody, that brings life and hope to everyone. That we, because of Jesus, we can start living that life now. We can partner with him on that life now. And so can you now again go back to that opening illustration of the disciples in the year AD 165 to 180 in Rome? They were partnering with God then through Jesus Christ to bring life and hope in the darkness of this world. They were invited to participate in God's kingdom, invited to participate in God's ways. They were shining bright examples of participating in God's kingdom and God's ways. Peter, to the early church in his first letter, 1 Peter 1.21 says this, Through him, being Jesus, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. So our faith and our hope are in the reality of God, are in the truth of God, are in, are, are in the foundation of the ways that God has expressed himself to expressed himself to us through Jesus Christ. Our faith and our hope are in God. So let me give us a few verses on love. 
There's so many other verses that we've included in the notes for you this week, whether it's personally in your growth communities or in your hubs, so much that I just want you to process and sit in and slow down and just think about how does this impact the message of the church? Some some verses on love. Love is not just a word. It is who God is. It's how he calls us to act towards others. So it's who he is. It's expressed in his gift to us, but then it's a, it's the way that he, his expectation of us is that we're then going to act that way of others. Jesus shows us what God is like, Emmanuel, God with us, so that we can place our faith and our hope in him. So we don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to pray. We don't have to have any confusion. We can understand who God is and how he loves so that there's perfect clarity for how you and I show that love to others. Jesus not only shows us who God is, but also how we are invited to live in response, free from the law, which we're going to talk about more in the series to come, and full of love. So we're free from things that are meant to bind us up, but we are meant to live a life of fully devoted to the love of God. This is an amazing pattern in scripture. Like I said, there's so many verses we put in the notes for you to look at just to merit, just to read and let marinate in you. Like you can meditate on it. We need to treasure them up. Like Mary, when she was holding Jesus, it says that she was treasuring up that. Like I couldn't begin to imagine as the angels were singing and the shepherds were announcing that she was treasuring that. And we can do that this week in these words about the love of God for us through Jesus Christ, and then how we're so expressed that to others, we can treasure that up in a way that is going to then be beneficial to others around us. We need to let it take root because if we let that take root in us, the outcome of that is going to be fruit. John 12, 45 says this, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. So church, let me just say, let us look at Jesus so that we can see who it was that actually sent him. God is getting a bad reputation in our world today. He's getting blamed for things that aren't his fault. And if we want to see the real God, we look at Jesus. So that means if we want to see the real God, we have to look at Jesus. That means other people that that want to see the real God, we have to help them turn their eyes towards Jesus. We partner with him in that. Now, there's another John 3.16, but it's not John, the Gospel of John. It's John's first letter to the early church, 1 John 3.16. So 1 John 3.16 says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Wow. Jesus laid down his life for you and me then you and I lay down our lives for each other. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. So the posture of my life is the same and the posture of your life should be the same. I think if Jesus died for us, that we could then learn to live for him. The emphasis in the New Testament is to take the love of Jesus, to take the love that Jesus is sharing with us and share that love with other people. So what did Jesus's love look like? He washed feet. He served food. Jesus joined in the people's pain, funerals, and, and in moments of grief and hunger and moments of confusion and storms. Jesus went to a cross so that others wouldn't have to. Jesus walked out of a grave and he didn't come out preaching retaliation. He came out preaching grace and love and hope and forgiveness, a powerful message of forgiveness. Jesus came out of the grave after he had been so wrongfully beaten and falsely accused and painfully tortured. It wasn't retaliation. You did this to me. Now I'm coming after you. Jesus preached forgiveness and love. A major part of our growth community material this week was written around Romans chapter five. I hope whether you're in a group or not, that you can take time this week to really let that Romans five, one through 11 rest on you. But I want to end in Acts 26, 20. This is Paul 
near the end of his ministry, sharing a summary statement with a group of believers. Listen to what he says. It's on the screen for you, Acts 26, 20. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea, also to the Gentiles, which basically means all of the globe. Like he went so many places, not a slight exaggeration, but he was heading to everywhere. And this is what he said, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove that they have changed by the good things that they do. Did you hear that? That all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove that they have changed by the good things that they do. So let's walk through that as we close and make this kind of like the ending challenge for all of us to sit in before we have a responsive time of reflection and prayer immediately after my teaching is over. The first is repent. What is repent? Rethink everything you thought you knew in light of Jesus. That's repentance. Everything that you and I have ever thought or been told, we rethink in the light of Jesus And we just then confess whatever that reveals. When we sit in the light of Jesus, it just shows where we are selfish, where we are proud, where we lack humility, where we are angry and we want to fight, to steal, to kill, destroy, whatever, wherever we are, we have this darkness that needs to be exposed to the light of Jesus. And so repentance is just letting Jesus be close to you and then letting everything that's revealed then turn to a forgive me for this. Turn. Uh, So we rely on God's grace, which is a gift, not religion. Stop running away and you turn to our creator. We're going to be looking at a story in the next series about the prodigal son returning. But this was a turn. This is a I don't want to just be forgiven so that I can go somewhere else. This is a present tense. I'm turning from this kingdom of the world and I'm going to turn into the kingdom of God. And so all of the activity that's identified with this world, I'm now going to change all of my activity to the will and to the ways of God. I am turning. This is what Paul was alluding to here in his summary in Acts 26, 20. And then the word demonstrate manifest like you need to embody you need to let this be who you are manifest your new life by a lifelong apprenticeship to the ways of Jesus so through pandemic through joblessness through prosperity through joy through sorrow through grief through pain through happiness through the good and the bad sickness and in health almost like a wedding ceremony right here right now the words and the language No matter what comes my way, I am pledging a lifelong commitment of obedience to God through Jesus Christ. This is discipleship. This is the pattern of the early church. They took all of the pain around them, but they were viewing it in light of Jesus Christ and sharing Jesus Christ the love of God for them, for others. Everything was meant to come from our eyes being fixed on our our Father and the love through the Son, Jesus, or in kingdom language, our King and His kingdom. But I am meant to receive so that I can give. And the testimony of the church during the plague in 165 to 180 was that they were so appreciative of the love of Christ. They wanted to show that love to others, even in death. And they joyfully took on the sickness in order to be with people in their time of need. What is the testimony of the church like now in our generation? Not just the gallery, but the church at large. But now let's be personal. What is the testimony of our church, which is us? We can't point fingers. If you're watching this, that means you're agreeing that you're a part of the gallery church. What is our testimony in our generation? What would somebody be journaling about our church, looking at us as through the ways that we're living in this time? Let it, let our message be so clear. God is love. We've received that love and we're sharing that love and people are just wanting to be included in that. Father, we thank you for your great love. And we want to be conduits. We want to be messengers, ambassadors. We want to be an example 
Father, we want to be a display of your love in our city now. Help our message and our lives to proclaim Jesus. We want our lives to change into the image of Jesus where there is no confusion for other people. Father, would you complete your work in us so that we can have the joy of seeing people come to us saying, I want to be a part of that. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. We want to invite you to respond to the word of God that we just received. We know that he is speaking and working in our hearts. Where do people see the difference that Christians are making? Let's be a little more personal. Where do people that are watching you see the difference you are making? Let's pause together and listen to the Holy Spirit. What is he saying to you? Are you open to receive God's grace? How does it feel to know that God is giving something to you that the religions of the world are telling you you have to earn? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about your faith? We are invited into God's kingdom to live in a way that makes things better. How do you receive this? How can we continue to live out his will and ways? Let's take time to praise the Lord. Let's tell him how thankful we are and how blessed we are to be a part of his kingdom. Let's respond to the Holy Spirit, acknowledge his work in us, and celebrate that we are lavishly loved by our Father in heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ. Church family, I don't want to interrupt how the Holy Spirit is communicating with you. And sometimes it just doesn't feel like there's any good place in a gathering um, to put announcements or to put reminders because it feels like such a distraction. But if you're watching this video, I really want the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Um, but I also feel like there are many of you that are watching, but you're, you haven't taken the next step, like the, the next step towards family, the next step towards community and we call that growth communities, places where you can get to know more people, has formed spiritual friendships, take next steps in faith. And so could you this week reach out to us through the app or through email to get connected? Uh, try a group. Maybe you need to try more than one to begin to find out like which one you feel more comfortable to jump into, to begin to, to grow in your faith, your hope and your love. Um, uh, my prayer is that we've earned enough trust that you would take that step, that encouragement from us to go do the same. I also um, don't, I'm not sure if you have received some of our push notifications and we sent one out last week about our deacons ministry and the way that they're serving uh, those in our community that are, find themselves um, without homes, especially now during the winter. So first, let me just say, if you're not getting those push notices and you do have the app, could you go into your settings and make sure that those push notifications are turned on? When we do send them out, we do believe they're important and we want your, you to be able to be drawn into that, to, to pay attention to that. 
Um, if you don't have the app, I want to encourage you, whether you have an Android or you have a, um, an iPhone or you have an iPad or some sort of mobile device or mo mobile platform, there are ways that you can download the app to your phone. But our deacons are needing your help. They are serving a large number of people. And the, the, the burden is more than the hands that we currently have to take care of that. So would you consider stepping into that? You can email them at givehelp at gcbdowntown.com and let them know that you are willing to join in with them in their efforts to help take care of um, those around our downtown community that are in desperate need during this winter season. I also want to remind you one more time, if you haven't tried the Zoom lingering, it's going to happen in just over 10 minutes. The link is in the description. If, if you're watching this later in the day, 7.30 p.m., you can join us there as well. We do believe that's very valuable. All right, so here's our benediction. Here's our final words as we go out from here today. So as we go from here today, may we find ourselves amazed this week at how much our Father in heaven loves us and how gracious he has been towards us. May we focus on those three simple words, faith, hope, and love, and the other three simple words, Jesus is Lord. And may we find it becoming easier and easier to display this truth in our lives and easier and easier for it to be our response to others. Jesus is Lord. Join me in following him. May God's word feed you and his spirit lead you into this week. Grace and peace be with you. Thank you, guys. See you in 10 minutes. Or at 7.30 tonight, whichever comes for you. God bless.